Good afternoon. Today I have Ollie with me. Hi Ollie, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hello there. Yeah, my name is uh, Ollie Jarvis. I am a writer. I write thrillers, legal, legal kind of thrillers. Uh, my latest thriller, The Genesis Inquiry, I suppose, is an international thriller. And um, I'm also a criminal defence barrister. And um, I've got a website called The Crime Hub. And thank you very much for having me on your, sh your show. Can I call it a show? Yeah, that works. <laughs> <laughs> and you're very welcome. Um, so did you know that you always wanted to write? Um, no, I didn't always know. Um, I liked the idea of being a writer, but I didn't always know. Um, and one day, um, about 10 years ago, I had just finished defending a really, really difficult case. It was a death by dangerous, a, a lorry driver who'd killed a family of six people on the M6. And um, it was very difficult and, and stressful as the job is. And I came out after that case and then I really started thinking about whether I wanted to do something creative, you know, rather than just defending people all the time. And I had done some, some writing for, for the BBC many years before. And I thought, you know what, I'm gonna try and write a book. And so I sat down and gave myself five days. I only had five days to see if I could do it. And at the end of that five days, I had 12,000 words of a legal thriller. And I thought, yeah, and then the obsession took over and every, I had to drop everything so that I could get 80,000 words. And that was how it all started, really. And how many books are you up to now? This is my fourth book. Um, I, I can't knock them out um, like my, my colleagues and competitors, unfortunately, if one, one a year. I'm trying to get faster, but with so many other competing interests on time, it's really, really difficult. Um, and Genesis took quite a while because there was so much research involved. Um, and that takes a lot of time. And yeah. travel, that one. You can tell um, about the research in the Genesis Inquiry because there's just so much stuff. Yeah, it, it's it was really difficult having all of this information about history, but remembering at all times, it's always the story. It's got to be the story. You can't take over with boring facts. You've got to find a way to weave it into the story. And so you're actually discarding huge amounts of information so that you don't ever sacrifice the characters in the story. And that's, and that's the battle, I think, certainly with Genesis. Well, um, it comes across and yeah, I still felt like I learned quite a lot. So it's pretty awesome. All right. That's good. That's what well, did the, I don't know. I mean, I don't, don't want to give too much away for people that haven't read it, but it comes down to whether you believe, you know, do you believe in the theory of Genesis? And it's weird. There's a lot of history there that kind of backs it up. Yeah, way more than I realised and way further back as well, which was really interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Stranger things.
yeah. this is the next Stranger Things. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It'd make a good film, I think, more than a because it's more just like impact is so fast. Make yeah. a good film. It is fast moving, definitely, definitely. Um, out of the all of the books you've written so far, what's the most interesting thing you found researching? Um, well, with the first three books, I think my favourite of the first three was Death by Dangerous. But for those books, I didn't have to do any research because I live in the courtroom. That was the great thing. I could just sit down and write them. Didn't have to look anything up. Whereas Genesis, huge amount of reading and travelling to extraordinary places um the denouement in the book i had to go and see that for myself so that i could write about it and that was a pretty hairy trip but i loved every minute of it and i the more and more obsessed i became with this whole um theory and linking these these things in history i, I loved every minute of it really did really did yeah, I must admit, I'd love to go see that, although obviously where it is is a bit, but I mean, it just sounds incredible, so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, history, I, I've always been interested in history and, you know, Stonehenge, you know, when I, back in the day when I was 18, you know, I'd go to the free festival at Stonehenge before it all got stopped and we had to go to Glastonbury. But I love these stone circles and everything. And I thought Stonehenge was so old and important, but there are a lot of arguably more important, much, much older sites around the world that we don't, because we look at everything from British history. We don't really realize that there's a whole world out there of really important sites. And what sparked off the interest was, did you, um have an idea and then that came along after or did you find out about that first and then build the book around? I, I kind of had this idea about history swirling around in my head and I'd done a bit of reading around it and then I my daughter had um, an interview at Cambridge University and she asked me to drive her down for the interview which of course I accepted because I was just grateful to be allowed to have that time with her one-on-one -on -one. and so we went down to Cambridge for this sort of weekend interview and all of these top people at Cambridge lecturers and everything were talking about um, joining the dots and seeing the bigger picture students at Cambridge it's all about learning to see this this global view of the world and for someone who went to a polytechnic who was incredibly lazy I was completely in awe of these lectures. I was like Brody in the book and looking at these incredible colleges. My daughter went to Durham, in fact, but I was hooked and um, went back to Cambridge and did more research. And then, you know, you're, these, you know, you're looking at a street where the apple fell on Newton's head. You know, it's just an incredible place. I thought this is a great place as a core setting for a book and to tie in with all of these historical ideas. Yeah, I must admit, I assume that you must have gone there because the detail is, you know, there's so much detail. Sadly not, sadly not. I'd spent a lot of time there writing the book, uh, which was great, but um, no, I didn't know Cambridge at all until that interview, which wasn't even my interview. 
That's still pretty cool. <laughs> I hope your daughter got the appropriate acknowledgement for... Uh... She did. She did. <laughs> and she read your book. Um, she had, she's, she had, she, well, she read a very early draft, but um, they've kind of lived and breathed it, um, my kids, for, for quite a while. So they, they know every aspect of it and, you know, and the theory, and we talk endlessly about it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> um, out of all the books you've written so far, do you have a favourite character? Um, I would say Ella Blake in Genesis. I, I've never written from a female perspective before and I found that incredibly challenging and also writing about the relationship between a mother and daughter and we all know what that's like and the layers and the complexity of that. I mean I've seen it but I've not lived it and so um, I really enjoyed that and, um, and also having a really really incredible strong female legal character because it's it's not actually that usual when you read a lot of these thrillers it tends to be male lawyers and uh i wanted to do something really different and i i think she's a an incredible character and very real to me you know that's she's the kind of barrister that i come across every day competing interests of work family relationships juggling it all and just trying to survive would you consider bringing her back for another book i would um i would i was uh, i was having this conversation actually with hobeck only the other day because i was doing a podcast with them and um one thing i realized about genesis was that when i finished the book i'd written this book about camper vans and I realized that I had this deep desire to have a camper van of my own. So I've just bought this old van, which I'm now converting. And so the plan is when I get this finished, which will be in the spring, I'm going to drive off into the sunset, park up somewhere, maybe near Linda's farm and write another Ella Blake book. That's the plan. That's the plan. Whether it happens is another matter. <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> Um, is there, of the four books you've written, is there any that you'd like to be a character in yourself? Um, I suppose I would like to be um, Jack Kowalski in the, the, I wrote two books about a 26-year-old barrister um, who just kind of qualified of Polish descent. Um, and he's sort of fighting against the traditions of the bar and the bar's changed a lot in the last few years actually and so it's kind of dated in a way but I love writing underdog characters you know outsiders that's how I've always felt I don't know why but um, Jack Kowalski is this incredibly good person who's really struggling to find his voice and um become a, a great barrister and I and I'm sure he did grow up to be a great barrister if I'd written a third book um but yeah I like I like Jack Kowalski um, how did your deal with Hobet come about um yeah that was really strange because I was writing the um the genesis and I had an email from Rebecca Collins at Hobeck talking about um, 
Robert Dawes, who's one of their writers, fantastic writer, who writes about Gibraltar um, and saying, could we do something on the crime hub with Robert Dawes? And which didn't come off in the end because he was, I think, taken a, a film part somewhere or something. But um, so we were talking and we were chatting about books and I was telling her about my book and she said, oh, right. Can you send it over when you've finished it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Of course. Yeah. Anyway, I sent it over. Um, it must have been a year later. There's a lot of polishing and rewrites going on. And she didn't, in fact, read it. It was um, Adrian Hobart at Hobeck who read it. And as luck would have it, he grew up in Cambridge and studied archaeology. And so within two minutes, he was hooked on the book. I then got an email from Rebecca, literally as he had just finished it, saying, we want to publish this book. And they're such lovely people and such fun. I just <laughs> didn't have any doubts at all. And I knew we'd have a blast. And we had. <laughs> Yeah, I've met them twice now um, at Harrogate and at Bloody Scotland, and they're absolutely lovely. Yeah, I love them both. They're great fun. They're like a sort of comedy duo as well together. <laughs> yeah, they Not that they'd appreciate me ever saying that, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, they're fine. I'm, I'm sure they're fine. <laughs> yeah, bless them. Um, what's been your favourite moment so far since you started writing? Oh, wow. I think, well, when you see the reviews, I mean, they, it's impossible to say one moment on reading one review, but it's, it's the there's this terrible nervous tension when you're waiting for a book to come out and you don't know how it's going to be received. And then the very first reviews comes out, like your review, and, you know, with this book, this is I, it's difficult to put this exactly in one genre to say it's crime fiction or it's legal thriller or mystery or whatever it is. And slightly almost sci fi. And I was really worried that people weren't going to get this. So when I started seeing the reviews that people liked the book, um, which was outside my comfort zone, that was probably my best moment in writing so far, I would say. And what's your biggest dream? My biggest dream is um, for Warner Brothers to ring me tomorrow and say we'd like to pay a million dollars for the film rights for the Genesis Inquiry. And we'd also like you um, to come to L.A. We'll fly you first class and we'll pay you five thousand dollars a day as an on-set advisor while we're making the movie and we'll put you up in the Beverly Hills Wilshire. That's the dream. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> your, um, your stable mate, um, Mr. Harry Fisher, said that you had links to Stephen Fry. Well, he gave me a very, very um, generous review of the book. That's right. But I worked with him on The Crime Hub because I really believe in... Um, audio like radio you know radio 4 there's nothing like radio 4 but those kind of short audio dramas finding their way online and so i made some um 
15 minute original shorts with some incredible writers, you know, Anne Cleves and lots of Sam Blake and um, Giles Brandreth um, wrote a brilliant um, sort of Victorian Sherlock Holmesy um, little murder short. And Stephen Fry um, could be persuaded to narrate it. Couldn't believe it, but he did. And he went into a studio in LA and we did it all over there. And so that's how I, I, I met Stephen. Um, and what an incredibly kind, generous person he is. Um, and, you know, making time for anybody and however small, um, he's just an absolute delight, I have to say. Not a lot of people like that in the world. But he's no. Well, I'm pleased to hear that because I've been a fan of his for years. So, And a brilliant writer and his book, Troy, is um, fantastic. And I was very, very nervous about him reading the Genesis Inquiry when I'm writing about the ancient Greeks and he's just written a masterpiece about Troy. So, um, yeah, great writer. That's on my TBR. I've read most of his other books, I think, and they were all awesome. So, yeah, yeah. eventually yeah. I'll get around to reading them. <laughs> Maybe when I'm about 200 and something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it feels like. Um, have you made lots of author friends since you started writing? Um, not really. I'm certainly not a lot because it's such a lonely um, profession and I don't really do the festival. I haven't really. I just haven't had time, not for any other reason, with so many other things that I've got to do. But you develop these kind of Twitter friendships. And um, so I know lots of people on Twitter and seem to feel like I know them really well, but I haven't actually met them in person. Um, but um, I do think there are, generally speaking, writers are lovely people. I really do think that, and it's so interesting. Um, but yeah, so I need, to, I need to get out more. I need to get to the festivals. Like so I wasn't at Harrogate. I went the year before um well, was it the year before that with covid there was yeah that. yeah i think so yeah um but i need to find time to do the festivals i think yeah even if you did just one or one or two i'd say harrogate is the one and then bloody scotland as well yeah. they're the two biggest ones i think yeah yeah but yeah harrogate was awesome i loved it just uh sitting there drinking coffee and ian rankin walks past and says hi you know, as you do. <laughs> Very strange experience. Yes, yes. And watching um, Rebecca and Adrian try and give their mugs to all these massive authors was quite oh, funny. Of yeah, of course, yeah. And they went all shy, would you believe? Both of them were really shy. <laughs> and I'm sure if you know them like I do, you know that they're not shy people, especially right. Adrian and the job he's done in the past. Yeah. But yeah, they both went all shy. <laughs> Bless them. Um, when you're editing, what's your most overused word or phrase? Turn. T-U-R-N, turn. Oh, turned ahead, turned back, turned off, turned up. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. It's a tick <laughs> I've got. And I go through at the end and it comes up and I've written turn about a thousand times. And it takes me two days to change the word. I don't know why, but because, and I assume everybody has that problem with the word turn. I can't because it seems to be in every sentence, but not. But I saw Harry Fisher's tweet 
about then. I think it was then or that. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Usually it's just because yeah, I do yeah. quite a lot of these and I ask that question and, and just comes up a lot. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, yeah the fact, turn is quite interesting. That's the first time I've heard that. Actually, that's quite funny. <laughs> Um, and that's totally distracted me for what I was going to ask you next now. Oh, um, do you have any phobias and would you write about them or have you written about them? Um, I, do, I do have a phobia of about falling and like heights. I, I, I mean, I climb heights and everything, but I, I feel this compulsion to jump. It's really weird. It, most people say, oh, no, I get woozy. And I have this compulsion, like, am I going to jump? I need to stay back. And I'm not suicidal either. I don't know what it is. But I I haven't. Well, mind you, I have written a kind of scene like that in um, Death by Dangerous. So maybe that's where it came from, actually thinking about it. Yeah. But I don't have any, sort of, like, phobia phobias, like my wife and pigeons don't even go there. But um, so, no, I'm quite lucky in that respect. <laughs> and um do you hide any secret jokes or messages or easter eggs in your books no no i don't i mean um i mean in one book that I, I i had a character i was i wanted a really good cockney character um in um cutthroat defense and I called him Marpit because I was born in Croydon on a road called Marpit Lane. <laughs> so, but, but I mean, that's as far as it goes. There's no great, there's nothing great there hidden to be discovered <laughs> where you could hold like, you know, those Star Trek conferences based on, uh, you know, working the subliminal message or whatever, but they do. <laughs> Um, if you ever get any spare time apart from climbing, what do you like to do with it? Yeah, I just love, I love traveling, you know, more than anything. I, I, you know, before I settled down at the bar, I did a lot of traveling and working abroad in, in, in Paris and in Southeast Asia. And I still try and travel a lot. And hopefully with the van, when it's all singing and dancing, I'm on my way because I realized, you know, in with the pandemic, how much there is still to see on this island, you know, that I haven't seen and counties I've never been to and Scotland, I don't know well. And so traveling, uh, traveling and walking, I love walking, you know, I've walked Hadrian's Wall, the, the Camino de Santiago in um, Spain. And there's a kind of plan to do this, um, there's a walk you can do that a monk did in the eighth century from Canterbury to Rome. It takes three months. So I wouldn't mind doing that if I could find the time, definitely. Oh, <laughs> Canterbury to Rome. Oh. Yeah. yeah, you need a few pairs of walking boots for that one, I think. Yeah. <laughs> be, uh, the stuff you'd see on the way though, would be amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm told it's really hard to find places to crash in France. It's fine once you get to Switzerland, but France is the hardest part of that, I'm told. But definitely one day, definitely one day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're able to travel to any period of time, either forwards or backwards, where would you go? I would go to um, 
Well, I'd love to go to the eighth century. I was going to say 793 when the Vikings invaded Lindisfarne, but I would hate to have been there and been rounded up with the monks and turned into slavery. But that period of history of the sort of beginning of the kind of real beginning of the world and the clashes of these huge cultures would have been a very, very exciting time. But then I also read that they all had tapeworms and terrible intestinal problems and everything else. So it wouldn't have been a party, but um, it would have been pretty interesting. Yeah, I was, um, I was intrigued to know what your answer to that would be after reading a Genesis Inquiry, because it mentions so many different parts of history that I wasn't sure what you'd do. So interesting. <laughs> Um, and if you're able to spend a day with any author, dead or alive, who would you like to spend a day with? Wow. Um, wow. That is a big question. God, I need some time on that one. Um, I I mean, some of these, I, I love, I love history books and I love... There's a book um, called The Last Day of the Incas by Kim McQuarrie and an amazing writer all about that. Or, or Dee Brown, who wrote Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee about the, the way the Americans just basically came in and, and rounded up the American Indians. So uh, any sort of writer of a, of a book like that would be great. But the first book I read adult book I read my mother made me read a book because I had I would only read Flat Stanley back in the day and it was called Lost Horizon um, and I'm trying to even remember James Hilton wrote it and he wrote it in 1933 I didn't read it till the 70s but it was still knocking around about this place in his book it's a bit like the Genesis Inquirer I suppose because it's about Shangri-La in Tibet where people lived a very very long time and that book really captured my imagination and I think you could, it's still in print now and so if he was alive James Hilton probably that's my final answer okay <laughs> um who was your first celebrity crush my first celebrity crush um was um Bobby Ewing's wife in Dallas what was her Victoria Principal Victoria Principal. Victoria Principal. <laughs> yep, my mum just confirmed it for you. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the character. <laughs> yeah, Victoria Principal. Nice. <laughs> Interesting answer. A bit before my time, that. <laughs> Showing my age there, yeah. <laughs> Quite funny though, I got ID today for the first time um, in a long time, and oh, uh, she, she didn't have to. Look, yeah, she didn't have to look at my ID for long before she realised I'm way over the age limit. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty years over, yeah, something like that. But yeah, still made my day anyway. Well, I bet it did. It did. It was great. <laughs> um. If you were to be a villain in a book, how would you kill your characters? Um, or your victims, I should say. Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of cases where with all sorts of different ways of killing people and there's no nice way to do it. 
Um, but I suppose if you wanted maximum effect, um, you'd have to make it as slow as possible. So you'd probably cut them and tie them up and hang them upside down and bleed them to death, something like that. Okay. <laughs> um, if you were to have a superpower, what would you choose? Um, I would... Um, I, well, I, I know the superpower I definitely wouldn't want, which would be to read people's mind, because I spend far too long worrying about what people think, and to know what they were thinking would be even worse. But um, I wouldn't mind being able to um, run incredibly fast. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. When I do go jogging, which is once every few years, I'm sort of hobbling down the road. It takes me forever. So I would like to be able to be a really fast runner. I can see a slight flaw in your reason. You know, every few years, probably the reason why you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, just a hunch. Yeah. And you don't really want a superpower to go jogging either. It's more like to save the world. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's your choice if you want to go, if, if you want to run, then that's fine. I'm no one to judge. <laughs> I'm too nosy. I just want to know what everyone's up to, I think. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, is that people are never up to as much as you think they are. And that's the thing about Facebook, because you go on Facebook, I know I do, and I scroll down in the evening and I think everybody's got a much more exciting life than me. And when I then say to them, your life's incredible. And they say, no, I only put up the good things that happen, which are like once every month. But you get that impression whenever you look at Facebook that everyone's out and about doing stuff. And we're not, we're all watching telly. Yeah, absolutely. Squid game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's have a break from reading about murder and watching more murder. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there a surprising fact that no one would know about you? Um, there are probably quite a few. One I can think of that's just sprung into my head, that when I was a kid, I was an incredibly good chess player when I was a child. And I, I once played Boris Spassky, the world champion, when I was 11 in a simultaneous display. He played 20 of us at the same time. And uh, yeah, I was really, I was mad about chess, mad about chess. I was traveling around playing in like competition, national competitions and stuff. And uh, I knew all the openings and all of the moves and um, obsessed, I was obsessed. So that's, I suppose, one weird fact, not that interesting. Oh, that's cool. What happened then? Why did you just fall out of love with it? Uh, when I got to 13, I discovered parties and girls and that was it. I, never, I just stopped. <laughs> Some of them, my friends went on and became grandmasters, but I didn't, unfortunately. But you, it's hard to make a living out of chess, unfortunately. Much like writing, I think. <laughs> Very similar indeed. A lot of writers and a couple making a living. It's the same with chess. 
Um, are you working on anything at the moment? And then do you know what's coming next? Um, I've got a few ideas running around in my head and um, but I'm just kind of making a dis final decision in my head about whether I'm going to write another Ella Blake. Um, that's that's the big decision because it's such a massive undertaking. Um, and if I do, which with which characters? Because um, I mean, there were four main characters in that book, and then five. If you know, if you count Desmond the, at the at Cambridge, and you know, you could really bring back five characters actually. So I make that's what I'm really thinking about at the moment, and and what historical. Uh, aspect I would bring into it and I got some ideas but uh, yeah it's just thinking about if and when um, not to influence you but yes please like yes absolutely please 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 oh, that's really <laughs> kind. thank you thank you <laughs> I, I would read it like tomorrow so oh, brilliant. brilliant well that's good motivation yeah I mean, you know, I'm happy to message you every day and just remind you if you like. It's a service I can provide quite happily. <laughs> if I need, if I need some motivation, I'll, I'll email you. Yes, yeah. some call it stalking or harassment, but you know, whatever. <laughs> just semantics, I find. <laughs> well, you may be pleased to know that I don't have any more questions for you, unless you think there's anything that I haven't asked you that you wish to share with us. No, not. Not at all. And thank you very, very much for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. It's been brilliant. You're very welcome. Um, and just before we go, would you like to remind everyone where they can find out more about you and where they can buy your books from? Well, um, you can get it from um, Waterstones, I think, uh, Amazon. But if you go on my website, ollyjarvis.com, O-L-L-Y, ollyjarvis.com, you can find out about me and you can also buy my books from there as well. Happy this, so thank you very much. Cheers, brilliant. Have a great day.